Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast. We're going to take a little break from tennis. Um, we've been up just about every single night talking tennis, having a lot of fun on the scopes, but joining me today to talk about the National Basketball Association from the other side of the country. Spread, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good today, Noobs. Uh, you know, obviously we had some tough news in the NBA this week that's kind of cast a, uh, you know, a bad shadow over all the competition that's taking place. And, uh, you know, obviously we're all, you know, dealing with it in our own ways, but it's been tough for, uh, for the players and the fans this week. So how are you feeling? It's a big loss for sure. I mean, um, we talked about a little bit at off air. Both of us are fans of teams that uh, spent a lot of time losing to Kobe Bryant. And um, <laughs> it's kind of funny for us to, you know, kind of long for him and, and kind of have these thoughts because at the end of the day, I think everyone admired Kobe Bryant, whether or not you liked him or didn't like him from a fan perspective, you admired um, his talent, his skill, his work ethic, his general attitude. And I think just about everybody kind of has a Kobe moment. And I was thinking about my Kobe moment spread, you know, the thing that I'll never forget. Um, when the Sixers made the finals in 2001, I was lucky enough to get to go to game three, the first game in Philadelphia. And we booed and booed and booed and booed. And he just smiled. He was having so much fun out there, soaking in all the boos. Uh, played all 48 minutes of the game that night, scored 32 points, and the Lakers won by five. And I'll just never forget how much he loved every time we booed him. Um, what's your big Kobe memory? Uh, so mine would be, it would be, I don't even remember the year. So my buddy had just moved to LA. So he was excited, you know, kind of getting into the LA culture. And, uh, it was obviously the Toronto Raptors game where he dropped 81. Cause he called me at halftime of the game. And, uh, he's like, dude, you have to turn this on. Like, this is just amazing. So, you know, I watched the second half and when we're, uh, you know, talking on the phone during the game, you know, calling each other on timeouts and stuff. Can you believe this? So. I really thought that was a fun moment, and it kind of lives on and defines his legacy. If I'm right, that's the second highest point scored in an NBA game besides Mr. Chamberlain's 100. Yeah, I mean, it's, gosh, I mean, the, I mean, the 81 is, you got to wonder, do you think anybody will ever get to 100? I wonder with all the three-pointers and stuff like that and the increased pace, if that's even possible at this point. But, yeah, that was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, so that that was my favorite moment, just because uh, not only the great performance, but the idea of what sports bring to us. And you know, is you know one of my best friends, and you know now he's down in LA, and we're not seeing each other as often. But it was a way for us to kind of bond and connect still, you know, even being 500 miles away. So uh, that was definitely my favorite uh, Kobe moment that I enjoyed. Now, in terms of you know kind of historical perspective, I think that it'll be fun for us to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, is Kobe Bryant, we'll start with, is Kobe Bryant the best Laker ever spread? So you think about kind of that list. You've got Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant. Um, let's see, is there anybody I missed? I think that's kind of the big four. Um, how do you see Kobe in, in terms of the Laker pantheon specifically? And, and this is where, you know, I kind of betray my age because I grew up with Magic Johnson being the star of the NBA and Magic versus Bird being the rivalry. So I always have a special place uh, for Magic in my heart. And, you know, I consider him the best. I don't can't compare him to Kareem because when I watched Kareem, it was kind of when he was older. Um, so I never saw a prime Kareem. You know, I only heard about how good he was. Um, so obviously this is where it gets skewed. Um, so my favorite is Magic. But, I mean, if you want to make an argument for Kobe Bryant, I mean, I think that you can make a quite a fine argument that, that I can't necessarily uh, disagree with at that point. It's kind of a... 
a matter of opinion and, and, you know, just your preferences. My personal favorite is Magic. I love the passing and, and Showtime and how he was able to, to resurrect the league. But, um, you know, if you want to say Kobe Bryant, you know, you can give a bunch of reasons. And, you know, I couldn't really give you a tough argument. I think you hit the nail on the head. It depends a lot probably on what age you are because I think it does come down to Magic and Kobe. Jerry West is a very underrated player and um, mm-hmm. you know, a very underrated Laker, but I don't think that the town of Los Angeles kind of um, holds him in the same regard as they do Magic and Kobe. So I imagine if you're a little younger, Kobe's probably your guy. If you're a little older, it's Magic. And like you said, you could make a lot of arguments for both ways. And maybe yeah. the more interesting conversation here is where do we think of Kobe Bryant and you know, historically for the entire NBA uh, spread, would you say he's one of the 10 best players of all time? Um, you know, as I start to look at some of the lists here, you know, the top five, you've got Michael Jordan, you've got Bill Russell, you know, LeBron James is in there at this point, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then you've got Magic and Larry. And, you know, pretty quickly you're at six names and we still haven't talked about Wilt Chamberlain or Tim Duncan or Oscar Robertson or Akeem Olajuwon or Shaquille O'Neal. So, you know, when you think of Kobe Bryant, where does he fit to you kind of all time and, you know, kind of the best players rank? Yeah, I think he is in the top 10. Um, and, you know, this is another subjective one. But where I would really say, and this is what I wanted to kind of get into is, is like my main point about, uh, you know, this whole kind of mini memorial that we're doing is uh, I would think on work ethic, he's, he's one, two with Michael Jordan. Um, the stories of Kobe Bryant. And, and how hard he works, and I really think that's the legacy that he's going to leave behind, is is working hard, and you know when you think of mama mentality, I think that that to me when you say that that means work harder, grind harder, get back in the gym, Greg, get back on your model, keep refining, you know whatever you're working on, keep working on, it. and I think that's the legacy and the inspiration that he left, and I can't think of how many players I've seen in the last 15 years. And we don't need to denigrate anyone because we're trying to be positive here. But I thought, boy, if that guy worked as hard as Kobe, he would be the best player in the league. You know, because I think we have seen players that might have been a little more talented and a little more physically gifted. But nobody worked as hard as him. And um, I, I really think that that's going to be the lasting legacy is that he is going to be a symbol of, of perfecting your craft and never being satisfied and, and always trying to be better, um, regardless of how good you already are. Yeah, I think he's right kind of in that 10 range, maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I think a lot of it depends on how you feel about Oscar Robertson, Akeem Olajuwon, Jerry West. You know, Those three names kind of shake things out. I think that I have a pretty solid top eight before I get to Kobe, frankly. Again, I would go you know, in no particular order. Jordan, Russell, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Larry, Wilt, Tim Duncan. And then that's kind of my top eight, Kobe being kind of ninth. And then, you know, probably Kobe, maybe Akeem Olajuwon. So um, absolutely one of the best players of all time and someone that um, will absolutely be revered. And it's because of that work ethic. You know, you hear all these conversations. Um, that's really what lasts for him. We've heard a lot of wonderful things about his work ethic and also his, you know, life as a father, which is really exciting and, and something that we're really proud of him for. So, um, you know, Kobe Bryant will miss you. Um, but onward and upward spread. You know, we've got a long NBA season ahead of us. Um, we're almost at the all-star break here and they announced the starters um, looking right now for you know and again there's not really a west coast and an east coast anymore we um, pick starters and they all kind of vote which actually do you like that do you like them picking their own teams I think it's kind of fun yeah might as well I mean the whole thing is 
<laughs> right? It's I mean, it's just an exhibition for the fans anyways. And it's just an idea for us to get together and celebrate. And, um, you know, a lot of us who, who played mainly, you know, non-organized basketball, that's how we played, right? You go to the park, you pick your sides, you know, captains, and then the winning team stays on. Um, so I really like it because I think it harkens back to the way that the game used to be played, you know, um, as far as for me recreationally. So I personally like it. I think it's a great change. So we take a look at the Western Conference front court spots. Those went to LeBron James um, and Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard just on the outside looking in. I'm sure that he'll get, you know, kind of picked as one of the reserves. Nikola Jokic just on the outside. Paul George looking here. Carmelo Anthony got some votes. Brandon Ingram, Porzingis, Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. Now, Carl Anthony Towns pretty interesting. He gets ranked eighth by the media, ninth by the fans, but 13th by the players. So not a lot of love from the actual players there for Carl Anthony That's Towns. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I thought it would be the other way around because he's been dominating. Now let's see the backcourt spots. Um, we've got Doncic, Harden, and Lillard. Let me just double check. I'm sorry. Okay, Kawhi Leonard, he did, did make the starter. Sorry, it's three frontcourt players. So LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi. And then the two backcourt spots, Luka Doncic and James Harden. Dame Lillard at third. You got Russell Westbrook in there. Donovan Mitchell. Um Steph Curry ends up at the 10th spot. He's the uh, sixth <laughs> fan rank, the 21st player rank, and the fourth media rank. So um, still getting a lot of love, even though he's not actually playing here. Um, D'Angelo Russell, fourth media rank, although he was only 10th from the fans and 12th from the players. So that's pretty interesting. Although now that I look at this, just about everybody was forced, and there must have been a big pile of guys kind of in that spot all tied for fourth. So far, and any uh, any snubs for you? I mean, I, I feel pretty good about this list so far. I mean, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, that's pretty much untouchable. Maybe you could make a case for Paul George, certainly not Jokic. And then from a guard perspective, Doncic and Harden, I think have been the best two guards in the West. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it always seems right. And I get uh, upset when people use, like, all-stars uh, appearances uh, when they're talking about uh, a player's legacy because – uh, sometimes we know these things can be wrong and they can be popularity contests, but uh, regardless, I think it's a great time. And actually, um, it leads me into my question. So when I was a kid, my favorite aspect of All-Star Weekend wasn't the game, it was the dunk contest. But you got to remember, I grew up on, you know, Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins, right? I mean, I, to me, that's still up there um, until we had Levine versus Gordon. You know, it's my favorite dunk contest of all time. Um, now it's kind of turned to the three-point contest because the dunk contest is uh, its not always the best and not always the most exciting. So now I really look forward to three-point contest. What's your favorite aspect of All-Star Weekend? My favorite aspect has always been the three-point contest. I just think it's a better game. Um, it's mm -hmm. more fun to watch. There's more pressure. I think the dunk contest... Um, are actually underrated at this point as much as people hate them. I mean, you go back, and I'm trying to remember. Um, there was a guy. It was a guy from the Milwaukee Bucks, basically against a guy from the Seattle SuperSonics, like two, three years in a row. And I actually used to like that we just get like these random guys who were just insanely athletic out there doing stuff. But uh -huh. Levine Gordon was really good. Some of the Blake Griffin dunks are really good. I mean, the Vince Carter dunk contests were spectacular. Yeah. So um, I think much. That would say Vince Carter one to me is the best individual performance. Uh, the reason I left that one off is because no one even came close that year. Like when he did that dunk and said it's over, and that to me it's like it's just ingrained in my mind. I do it's over all the time. I mean he was right, it was over. 
You know, right. No one else should have even dunked. Like, you know, he just blew everyone out the water. So that's why my two favorite, you know, were the ones that were really close. They came right down at the end. But best individual performance, I would give it to Vince Carter in, I think it was 2002. I can't remember, though. Um, let me see. 2000, actually. But okay. So the, the name I was trying to remember from the Seattle Su- Supersonics, remember Desmond Mason? Yeah. He was great. Jason Richardson yeah. won back-to-back years. That oh, yeah. was a lot of Jason fun. Jason Richardson was good. He had good performances, too. I never liked Nate Robbins. He got a lot more credit for being short than he deserved. Jail Green yeah, like was really Spud good. Yeah, like when Spud Webb won it when I was a kid, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, Nate Robbins, actually, I, I forgot this. He won back-to-back years in 09 and 010. That's not so great. Yeah. Terrence Ross won a dunk contest. I don't remember that year. 2013. So it must not have been very, very exciting. But they really screwed with the rules sometimes, too. So I think some of the ones that weren't memorable is because they messed up the rules. It's a funny list of names. I mean, Hamadou yeah. Diallo last year, Glenn Robinson the third in 2017. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fred Jones in 2004. Um, I still like it, though. I think it's a lot of fun. And I, I do, to your point, I don't like when they start to go in and kind of screw around with some of the rules and try to, like, f- force creativity through the rules and, as opposed to just go out there and do whatever the heck you want. Like, you want to bring yeah. something in? You want to bring somebody in? Whatever. Yeah. kind of fanfare like let's go for it like i'm surprised we haven't seen somebody jump through like a flaming hoop yet that's what i'm waiting for <laughs> well we might get our wish this year all right eastern conference the three front court spots go to Giannis, Embiid, siakam um, jimmy butler apparently very upset that he's not a starter although he um last time he was in the all-star game he sure as heck didn't try too hard he had jason tatum bam out of bio uh, Bam Adebayo, the fourth player rank, although he was only seven for the fans. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Taco Fall, the number six for the fans, number 21 for the players. Um, that's pretty fun. But I think we got the best three names there. And then the backcourt, some interesting names here. I didn't think before the season spread, Derek Rose we would have had as a, the fourth selection for the All-Star game. But Trey Young, Kemba Walker get the two spots there. Kyrie just on the outside looking in. Number two for the fan rank, Kyrie, but only six for the players in the media. So um, pretty interesting there. Yeah, uh, does that surprise you? I don't think that's that surprising at all. I think that the players would uh, downgrade him, especially the teammates that he's uh, not been a good teammate to and then, uh, you know, kind of torched on the way out. So uh, I'm not really surprised that, that Kyrie's not getting the love from the players like he used to. In a way, it validates a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in terms of his effect on the Nets and how you and I like to bet against the Nets whenever he's playing. So um, you see a little bit of that. In general, though, I don't see any real snubs here, if you will. Everybody likes to go through. I mean, I don't know if Trey Young, it's sure, maybe he deserves to make it. I don't know. It's hard for me to make a case for really anybody else. Really? I think that he's pretty been pretty solid. I mean, obviously, I think Trey Young and Derek Rose are two that have um, definitely benefited from the – massive usage being on really poor teams you know because so they get massive usage and they put up good numbers but both of them have taken advantage of that so uh i definitely think trey young should make it i think he's been quite an exciting young player and i would be uh if i'm the hawks i'm pretty excited to build around that young man i can't imagine in two years he is going to be a force all right spread you want to try to pick teams Oh, we're going to pick teams right now? What do you think? we got 10 guys, so we'll, go, we'll pick through them. Do you want to be LeBron James or do you want to be uh, Giannis? Uh, I don't really want to be LeBron, but since I'm older, I probably should, right? All right, you be LeBron, and since you're old, and I'll give you the choice. Do you want the first pick or the next two? I feel like we should snake. Um, I'll go... Uh, hmm... 
I'll go first, and then you can snake. All right, go ahead. So with the Wait, first hold on. Pick. Let, me pull, let me pull this up. I don't have actually all the players. I was kind of relying on you. All right, um, we got Anthony. Okay, I think I got him. All right. So my first pick is going to be, and I'm I'm really being LeBron, right? Yep. I'm going to pick AD just for um, uh, teammate purposes and, and the locker room harmony. I think you have to. I think it's, that's, that's a solid pick. Now, as Giannis, I'm going Luka here, and I'm going Kawhi. I'm going, I, I want as much shooting and kind of spacing on the floor as possible. I think that that's going to be really fun. So as Giannis, I'm going to take Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard. So now you get to pick two. All right. I will think I will take – see, this is so funny because I think how I would pick is not really how um, how everyone else would pick. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take – I'll take your boy, Joel Embiid. Here we go. Now you get another one. And then um, I'll take Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is not a starter. Oh, so I can't pick him? No, we're just going to go from the starters. We'll go for the, the top oh, ten guys okay. right now. Then uh, I'll take um, Trey Young. All right, so that leaves me. we got Kemba Walker, Pascal Siakam, and James Harden. Wow. I probably should have taken Harden over Young, but that's fine. Well, here we are. So, <laughs> so that's... This is just... This is just a speculative uh, podcast that's going nowhere, so we're fine. <laughs> yeah, so I'll take Harden and Siakam and leave you with Kemba. So as okay. Giannis, I get to play with um, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, James Harden, and Pascal Siakam spread. We got a lot of long I think you arms this, out there. This little contest, I think I like your team a little better. <laughs> well, you guys have all the size. Yeah, it's like, it's, that's going to be. I keep looking at my roster. I guess like Giannis is going to guard Embiid. I don't know how we're going to do with that. Um, <laughs> Embiid's funny because there's just there's no other real true center, if you will. Uh, yeah, not on the starters, Jokic. Um, it, that'll be fun if they get to do some minutes against each other. All Hopefully, right. they don't end up on the same team. <clears throat> We are in the middle of the season. All-Star break is coming, and I think we're starting to reach that point where some teams are going to be looking at their place in the world, um, you know, where they stand, their ability to make the playoffs, and I think start to look to next year. And I think we know the magical word spread. So let's try to talk a little bit about tanking, um, you know, how we identify it. Is it, ta- is it too early? Is it ever too early? Is it too late at this point for some of these teams? And then, you know, what do we do with our handicap now? I wrote earlier this week in my piece, um, my weekly power rankings that I've been doing, that the two teams that I had circled at this point were Sacramento and Minnesota. Um, as you look at the Western Conference standings, they are well outside of you know the eighth seed at this point, um, you know, well behind the Memphis Grizzlies, who are really pulling away, frankly. Um, and I think that both of those teams are going to be starting to look towards next year now. I know the Kings just made a trade, um, but I think... I'm trying to find it. I thought I had it pulled up here. Unfortunately, I can't find it just at this moment. There we go. Um, you guys swapped out basically Trevor Reza for Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver, and I think that saves you a little bit of money next year. Do you know if that's the case? It, it's, it got the Blazers out of the salary cap situation. I think we took on more salary um, with Bazemore, and I think it got the Blazers much farther uh, away from paying the luxury tax. So I think that was the main incentive behind the move. So I think the Kings actually, though, it looks like you picked up two expiring contracts. So um, 
it looks like Bazemore's done after this year, and so is Tolliver. So it's mm-hmm. kind of messing some things around. But as you start to see some trades like that, um, you know, the Timberwolves themselves dumped Jeff Teague in Atlanta for Alan Crabb, who's um, you know going to be an expiring contract at the end of this year. Uh, to me, those are kind of the telltale signs of teams that are starting to think towards next year and, and maybe aren't going to be playing their best and most focused basketball, trying out different lineups, maybe getting G League guys in there, trying different things with their younger players. So um, I'll take kind of a step back at this point spread. What do you, how do you identify a team that's tanking? So you got to go, I think you got to go to the media. And here's one thing that I think is real important that I, you know, I can help you with. So you've identified as a Kings as a team that should tank, right? And you're right, especially from an outside, neutral, non-emotional perspective, they should. But the the reality here is this team is under a lot of pressure from the media and and definitely from the fan base um, due to the higher expectations this year that they weren't able to meet. Um, Vladi is under a lot of fire. You know, obviously he's never going to get over flubbing that draft pick. Um, but the most recent one that they're really upset about is, is the hiring of coach Luke Walton, who has, uh, at the time, remember, I thought it was going to be a good hire. It hasn't looked that way at all. A lot of the problems that he had with the Lakers are continuing to resurface with the lack of rotations and just not being able to hold the players accountable the way that Dave Yeager did. Dave Yeager, I think did a much better job of number one, making them play fast and number two, making them play defense. So even though as a team and as an organization, it's probably right for them to tank. They're not going to do it because they are losing season ticket holders left and right. Um, the attendance is, you know, what is this, our third year in the new arena? I don't even know, but I mean, it's by far the worst. And it's because this is the first year we had expectations and failed to meet them. Um, so I don't think that the Kings will be a tanking candidate. Um, and this is where you kind of, this is where like, I love going to the local blogs. Um, when I'm writing, writing and researching my articles, because you get a better feel for how the fans feel towards the team. Now, the Timberwolves, I don't know. Um, and my guess would be that they won't either, because I think they want to keep Towns, and they need to make a push and not just, you know, do what the Pelicans did with Anthony Davis, you know, where it's just so bad that he has to leave. But I don't know that for sure. I'd have to double t- double check and look. But that gets me into how that we're doing this, and I really think that the the fan blogs and the team subreddits as, as you do have to sift through like a bunch of bad information, but you get a ton of the feeling, how the city feel towards the team and the pressure that the front half has to perform. Like for example, San Antonio is not going to tank, but I think that they would have the leeway if they decided to, there would be no backlash from the fans. Yeah. You start to look at some other teams. I wonder if Detroit at some point, you know, they're going to, they're actively shopping Derek Rose. I think that they're another team yeah, that has so to kind I of think start to are. tear it apart. That's a, a good one for me. I mean, the Hornets are too young to know any better. The Bulls, for some reason, try every single game, no matter what, every year to get the ninth or 10th seed. It's amazing. Um, the Wizards, I mean, not too much that they can do. And then it's because you start no, to get the to, Wizards could sell off. I think the Wizards will be quite obvious. If, I, if they I guess though. They've already Bertans said they're not going to get Bert- Yeah, it's, I, it's, I heard they weren't thinking of getting rid of Bertans. And at the end of the day, yeah, like, are, are, are they going to be? That, are they going to really be much worse than they are now? Um, as I start to get to like the Wizards, Knicks, Cavs, Hawks in the East, I just keep looking at them, going, even if they do sell, like who cares? They're just going to be just as crappy as they are now. I don't. Right. You got to wonder what pieces they have that would make a meaningful change to your handicap. 
So I have a great question for you. We know that the players don't tank, right? If I go out there, I'm, you know, if me and you just went and played one-on-one, I would be trying hard, right? Because that, that's just how it goes, right? Right. Do you think – so we, I, we know that tanking comes from the top, from organizationally, and that's by making trades and assembling pieces that just aren't ready, you know, and that's selling your better players for draft picks because now we have to pull up the guys from the G League and um, – you know, we're filling our roster that way. So even though our, our guys on the floor are giving 100%, you know, they're just not capable because now we have G League players going against NBA players. My question for you that I'm always curious about, do you think that the coaches that aren't on the hot seat do, uh, are involved in tanking, or do you think that uh, they're kind of above it as well? I think it depends on the relationship between the organization and the coach, you know, Having lived through the process in Philadelphia, Brett Brown was very much involved in, in making sure that he wasn't quite maximizing um, lineups at the end of games and things like that. Um, the Sixers basically had no fourth quarter offense. Not that they really do now, but it was even worse. Um, I think that a lot of it does depend on where they are. You know, is Did the GM hire the coach that's in place? Have they been working together? Do they have a strong relationship? Or, you know, is it someone on an expiring contract, to your point, who's going to try everything he can to win games to look good for other teams? So mm-hmm. you got to think about that, of course. But at the end of the day, it does really, I think the GMs come trade time can really pick these teams apart um, and make decisions about kind of who plays and injuries and stuff like that to really slow down even, you know, the best of coaches that are on expiring contracts. Yeah, because I think that has a lot to do with it. And you're right, I do remember some of those Sixers teams and, and the guy would get hot and they'd bench him, right, during your process times. The yep. guy would go for like 13 in the third quarter and then he wouldn't play in the fourth quarter. So, uh, but, you know, that one was really easy to to, indi- to um, predict because they were quite um, blatant and upfront about what they were doing and they even sold it to the fan base as such. Um and yeah, so I really think that you're right. I think it comes to the relationship between the coach and the GM and how safe that the coach feels. So, you know what? Let's let's table this for next week because I haven't done enough research. And maybe let's try and identify the coaches that we feel are safe that will buy into it. And um, the coaches that we think, you know, are really like, for example, I don't think Walton will. He's under too much scrutiny right now. Um, I don't think that he can afford to. He could be a one and gun guy. Uh, there's a lot of people that want him fired already. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll go through, because we'll have time, because I wasn't prepared for this. Um, and let's try and do that next week, and let's really maybe try and identify of these teams that, that aren't in playoff position right now, which ones have a secure coach and which ones have a coach that, um, you know, is going to try regardless of the situation. Yeah, next week we'll play tanking or terrible. We'll just decide if these teams are okay. bad or if they're tanking. That's- that's it. I don't know if you thought of that right now or not, but that's a great tagline. I love it. Tanking or terrible. That we'll be playing next it. week. So I love it. Um, good. All right. So I, I thought that was good, though, at a high level, just to get us start thinking about that. Now, the other big piece of news that we had this week from a positive perspective, I believe it's tonight's spread. Victor Oladipo is returning for the Indiana Pacers. Um, so, you know, we haven't seen him play. We don't know if he's healthy, but... From a big picture perspective, let's assume that Oladipo, by playoff time, gets back to being you know ninety percent of where he was last year. What do you think that means to the Indiana Pacers? Um, the Eastern Conference, as we've seen, has been a lot tighter, I think, than we thought. Um, not necessarily at the top; Milwaukee is way out ahead. But that fight for the two seed, um, you only have a three-game difference between the Toronto Raptors at two and the Indiana Pacers at six. 
So there's a lot of ability for the, the Pacers to move up and, and you know maybe get up into home court advantage, maybe even a top two or three seed here. So what do you think about Oladipo and the Pacers with him kind of at full strength? Are they a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, and I wouldn't have thought this preseason, but I really think that they are and now a dark horse contender to actually make the finals. Um, obviously, everything would have to break their way. Uh, but before, I, I didn't even consider it a possibility. Like, for example, I don't consider the Brooklyn Nets a possibility. There's no way, no way, no way Brooklyn Nets make it. But Indiana, I really think they could pull off some upsets. And you, you have here, – here's where I was wrong about it preseason. The Turner-Sabonis combination. I did not think it was going to work. I thought in the new NBA there wouldn't be enough space on the floor and that they would get bogged down and teams would be able to attack them with small ball lineups. That hasn't been the, the case at all. They're doing a great job of running sets where one man is the center and one man is the power forward, and it's very clearly defined. They attack mismatches so well with the two bigs that it's hard to run a small ball lineup in them. Now you add uh, you know, a playmaker and, and a great shooter like Oladipo to the mix. Um, I, I really think that they're uh, the dark horse East, East Conference contender now. All right, so now is the time to make your move, I think, if you really feel this way. They are 20-1 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference spread. What do you think of that number? Yeah, I'd say we throw a half unit on as a pod, unless that you have a different view of the Pacers than I do. I really don't. I think that Brogdon's taken a big step forward. To your point, the Sabonis-Turner thing seems to really be working. Um, you know, the coach there, I think it's... it's who's this Pacers coach at this point? Is it Nate McMillan still? I think it is it? Nate McMillan still. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a sharp guy. I mean, he did some nice stuff with his Portland Trailblazers teams. Yeah. Um, he's a very solid coach, and I think he'll be able to kind of manage this group. And Oladipo gives them... You know, let's take a look at their starting five real quick with Oladipo playing. You've got Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. That's, That's a tough fantastic. five. It's defensively, yeah. it's pretty good. There's a, a decent amount of shooting on the floor there. You have a lot of athleticism. Um, there's some pretty good variability there. So yeah, twenty to one. I'm I'm down spread. Let's go half a unit at uh, yeah. twenty. And to let's one go on ahead and let everyone know what our strategy is, though. Our oh, strategy heads, is baby. that they, we hope that they get to they they get to the top four. They win the first round and we hedge up. I think maybe right. could, yeah. We'll we'll start to see. I think we'll look at the hedge definitely after the first round. Maybe yeah. maybe after the second round, if uh, depending. I, on I what, think how we'll let it ride in the first round, even if they're not top four. You know, we're yeah. going to just let that one ride. But I think by the second round, we'll already be hedging, and I think we'll find some profit. So I love that play. All right. All right. We talked about the Pacers. Um, now, you know, one of the things we like to do every week here is kind of give you an idea of. Um, some teams we feel high on, some teams we feel low on. And I know, Spread, you were scrubbing your model today. You found a little mistake, but that's okay. You're going to yeah. fix that, and things will be good moving forward. But as part of that process, um, you had a few teams on your list that you were feeling bullish about and a few teams um, that you were feeling not so bullish about. So um, talk to us a little bit about who you feel good about. Let's start positively first. All right, and this is not going to be a surprise to anyone who follows the NBA, but the Jazz are outperforming their season net rating by an average of eight points over their last or eight points in net rating over their last 10. So uh, for the season, they're uh, five points better than the average team and they're 14 points better than the average team over their last 10. They've been just fantastic. And I don't know if the books can hang, hang the high line, uh, lines high enough. I'm loving the Jazz as a, as a buy on team. The next one is the Raptors. They performed three points better over the last 10 than over their season. So I think that we have a great buy opportunity there. 
Yeah, I had and, both. I had both of those on my list, and um, the Jazz didn't work out so hot the other night against Houston with uh, both right. superstars missing. But um, both of those teams playing really well, starting to gel, starting to become healthy. I think now is the time to uh, be playing some Jazz and Raptors spreads. That's for sure. Right, and the teams that I had doing poorly, the Warriors are performing three points worse than their full season, so their numbers are a little off. Um, Brooklyn's two points off their full season, um, so they're a little off. And the Nuggets are performing two and a half points worse than their full season, so it might not be the best time to buy on the Nuggets, although that's quite obvious with the um, injuries that they've been suffering. So it's not like that the team has regressed. They're just... Um, you know, even as a deep team, you know, losing three to five key players um, over the past two weeks has caught up to them. Yeah, I'm just starting to look through some of my list here. Um, the Houston Rockets, even before the James Harden injury, I, I've been worried about. I mean, their net ratings have been kind of falling the last couple of weeks. Um, the Harden injury obviously makes things even worse. I mean, whether he's not playing, whether he's playing hurt, those are obviously tough positions. You know, the Pelicans I'm curious about, they're kind of right in the middle. I don't know what to do with the Pelicans. I need to see some more of them with Zion. But it seems to me, and you know, we talked a little bit about that before he started playing, that the market maybe have overreacted just a little bit to him being on this team. I mean, the Pelicans seem to have gotten at least two, maybe even three points um, yeah, to some of these spreads, much. which I, I think is a huge, huge adjustment. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So they're a team that I'm kind of leaning to fade against, but just too many questions to you know make any kind of big swings. Um, the Pistons are kind of funny because they seem to be playing a little better without Blake Griffin. I wonder if... They um, are. If, Mathematically, they are. They actually shut out on my model, and I actually left that off for that very reason. Um, but for this season, they're, they're playing two points better over the last 10 than they are for the, for the full year. Yeah, that was kind of wild to me. So I want to kind of watch some of them, try to look at some of those box scores and uh, get a feel for what they might be doing better, what they might be doing worse. I mean, again, maybe it's just kind of the knowledge of knowing that Griffin's not playing and not having someone at less than 100% on the floor. Um, and then it just becomes Derrick Rose's team. So you kind of define a lot of things. And, um, you know, basketball is a lot easier when people kind of know what their job's supposed to be. Definitely, definitely. So um, Detroit, I think, is – they're an interesting situation. I've never had good luck betting on Detroit, and that continued this week um, when I backed them in a situation where they didn't perform that well. But, um, you know, the model seems to like them. So that's all, it's always tough when your model likes a team that, that you don't have a good feel for uh, as a viewer and as an eye test guy. Yeah, Echo, your thoughts on the Nuggets and the Nets. They're starting to trend down. The Trailblazers is the other team that kind of stuck out to me. They have been playing mm, a lot worse them up. the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm seeing season total, their net rating right around minus one and a half. But for the last 10 games, they're um, worse than minus five. So you know, it's definitely starting to trend down. Um, curious to see. Maybe they get a little better once Nurkic comes back. But you got to wonder again. With, I think Collins will be are. more important, personally. Is Collins coming back this year? I think that's the guy they're really missing. Is he's he coming to, back though? Before the, if they if they make the playoffs, he'll be back before the playoffs. Yeah, they're going. But make I the think playoffs. that's the piece that 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 completely jettisoned them. And if you want to rag on me for my <laughs> Trailblazers love and the preseason pods, that's going to be what I'm going to point to. That's going to be my out. I'm going to say Zach Collins is the reason. He was the one that was supposed to make the leap this year, and they don't have him, and they didn't have anybody to replace him. Yeah. Just looking through some of my net ratings here to see if there's any other ones that pop out. The Bucks, for some reason, continue to play even better than they have. We talked about the Jazz. Yeah, but and the they're Raptors. just consistently good. The Bucks, right? Yeah, 
they're just they're just so far away and ahead of better. Oklahoma City, we did we talked about a little bit casually. They've been playing a lot better the last few weeks again. Oh, as long yeah. as but that team stays on. healthy. There's no there's no value there anymore, I don't think. That's true. I think the market is definitely caught up there. We'll talk about the Pacers. Curious to see what they do. The Sixers looking a little better in the last couple of weeks without Simmons from a rating. Pers- or, I'm sorry, without Embiid from a ratings perspective. I thought that was interesting. The Lakers have struggled. Uh-huh. Actually, both LA teams and Dallas, I kind of had lumped together. They're still playing well, but not as good as they have for the whole season. I mean, the Lakers obviously have a lot of stuff with all the Kobe things going on. I'm sure that that affects them, you know, just as much, if not more, than anybody else. Um, and then also, that's another thing where watching all the games helps you because we know the Lakers are down when you sort by uh, last five and last ten, but they just came off their, one of their biggest road trips of the year. So yep. it makes sense. And I bet you that number is going to run up on their next homestand. So uh, I actually would put a buy on the Lakers, even though my numbers only have them point one better over the last ten than overall. So. The other team that was interesting was the Mavericks. They just lost Powell for the season. Um, you know, he was That's really a big important loss. for them. It is. That's huge because yeah. they don't really have anybody to backfill. They just traded for your buddy Willie Cauley Stein. I don't think that he is the answer to anyone's questions at this point in his career. It's asking a lot of Porzingis to step over and do a lot of those pick and roll and, and kind of plays that he was doing. I'm not sure. No, and. I think uh, that's the reason they put him in there. They don't want to play Porzingis a lot of minutes, and he can actually be somewhat similar to Porzingis in the pick and roll, except for Porzingis is better at popping and, and Cauley-Stein is better at rolling. But I actually, as much as I dislike Willie Cauley-Stein as a player, I really think that was a smart pickup um, for how Carlisle is going to use him, and that's to take minutes off Porzingis and still kind of give you the same offense with a different dynamic, though, except for Kali Stein will be going to the rim more. So um, as much as I dislike his disdain for shot blocking and rebounding as a big man, and I really think that's been his downfall in the league is his failure to kind of understand that. I mean, maybe you'll have a Dwight Howard-like realization like right before it's too late like Dwight did. But um, I think that's one of the few teams he could have gone to and made a positive impact. Yep. All right. Just before we wrap up here, Spread, last thing, we do have some odds, actually, for the Thursday games, um, and I thought Uh-oh. we could touch on those real quick. We've got the Toronto Raptors visiting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Raptors laying 10 points. I'm seeing a total of 220. We just talked about how much we like the Raptors. Do we like them enough to lay the 10 here? All right, hold on. I did today's. I didn't do tomorrow. So Toronto. Ooh, I got them good at home. And Cleveland. I'm sure I have them bad on the road. Um, oh, I th- yeah. I think it's My in numbers Cleveland. Say, take, say, say lay it. My numbers have... I think the game's in Cleveland. Toronto winning this by 14. Oh, it's in Cleveland? Yeah, it's in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Hold Let on. Let me double check, but I'm pretty sure it's in Cleveland. Mm, Toronto's a very good Rome team. Oh, I still say... My numbers still say take, uh, take Toronto and lay it. Yeah, I just... It's a huge difference. I, I think I agree, too. I mean, what the heck? Let's just lay the 10. That sounds like fun. Yeah, and let's do it right now because the number is going to move. Uh, I'm seeing a nine and a half at Bovada, which is funny because usually Bovada is our best for the dogs. But all right, we'll go with minus ten because that's what I'm seeing at SBR is kind of the general number. I see some tens, mostly minus one ten. So let's go ten uh, minus one ten there. The next game, uh, Charlotte visiting Washington. Washington minus three and a half at home. Total of two twenty-seven and a half. Good lord, what a big number that is. Um, I don't think I want to go under it, but it's definitely a big number. Um, kind of a junky game from a watch perspective. It might be fun, 
but I'm not expecting the best basketball in the world. What do you think here, Spread? I have that right on the line. I kind of do, too. I'm looking at it. Washington's a pretty right solid home half. team. Yeah. I have them pretty much the same. So. Yeah. All right. I mean, technically, technically, I have it at, I have Charlotte a half point better, so... Technically, I have Washington minus two point or minus three, and not three and a half. No, that would be minus two and a half. But um, I'm not doing that. That's not enough of an edge. And I think you've kind of uh, 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 got on me before for betting these shitty games and told me I got one I deserved when I lost it. So let's go ahead and, and let that one pass. All right, we'll skip that one. Uh, the Sixers are visiting the Hawks. Sixers minus seven and a half. A total of two twenty-seven and a half. Now, that is a number I'd be willing to go under, especially if Embiid plays. He slows the game down quite a bit. Um, and you know what? I thought they would speed up without him, and they didn't. Their uh, pace didn't really change that much. No, it really did not, um, which is interesting. I think a lot of it, I'd like to see what their pace is by quarter, because I think they just they still slow down to an absolute crawl um, in the fourth quarter, and I wonder if that's you know quite a bit of it, if they slow down even more at the end of those games where Simmons isn't in, but... Um, a little different, you're right. We we normally think of them as playing at a faster pace, so not something we've seen. But you know, I think still think I like the under here, two twenty seven. That's a big number. I mean, that's the same total as Charlotte and Washington. Uh, it doesn't kind of make sense. To Atlanta me. is, I think I I ran I haven't I didn't do it today, but I think they're third or fourth in the league in pace though. So I think it's an it's going to be an interesting contrast. Yeah, they are. I mean, you're looking at it. They're one oh eight. Um, that's just about as high as anybody. I'm sorry, that was, that was my adjusted number season total. And again, 106, and they've been playing faster and faster, the Hawks have. Um, let me see if the Sixers pace for the season 101 for the last 10 games was actually down to 98. So Sixers are a pretty slow-paced team. And I guess I think of the under there simply because I expect Philadelphia to kind of control the game flow here. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like you, you agree too much. So any play here for you? Do you like the spread or the total? So my uh, numbers, I don't, I didn't even run my total model today. I haven't even done that yet. I just did my spread model before we started. My total model's so weak, I barely use it. I almost do it just as an exercise. No, I don't even bet the numbers that much. But um, I have Philadelphia minus nine. I don't think that's. But remember how I talked about using these as a starting point. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I like that that number came out that that way. I, I'm not really. I don't like laying this game. What do you think? I want to take a look and see if Josh Richardson's playing because if Josh Richardson's not going to be on the floor, yeah, it looks like Josh Richardson's going to be out. That's scary. You're going to have Trey Young at the end of the game um, chucking threes. That's got backdoor written all over it, so I'm more than happy to stay away. Yeah. So, yeah, stay away from me on that one. And I don't know. Another one that's interesting is I don't know if you get the normal Atlanta home court advantage. I, don't, I mean, the players probably aren't going out this week, right? This is probably a pretty subdued week in the NBA, right? I don't know. Like you said, I think it affects a lot of people differently. Um, yeah. So I think this is a good spot to stay away now. We don't have lines okay. for Golden State at Boston. We don't have a line for Sacramento at the Clippers yet. But this game is going to be great. The last game of the night, Utah at Denver. Um, we both talked about how we like Utah. Um, we're down a little bit on Denver. Denver minus one and a half at home. What do you think, Spread? Do we take the dog? Okay, so my numbers say to do it. So my numbers say a big. This is my biggest edge of the day, actually. Just pure model, right? Biggest edge of the day. Uh, I have 
Utah by six in this game. All right, so we're definitely so taking I Utah. I think that we're going to have to do it. As much as I hate fading Denver at home, I mean, that's just too much for it to ignore. I mean, that, that that's why you run these models, right, is to find discrepancies like that. Yeah, so I'm seeing plus one and a half, minus 110. The money line's even. You just want to take the money line? Yep. All right, let's go Utah on the road against Denver. So we got Toronto minus 10. We got Utah on the money line. Um, and then we added Pacers to win the East for half a unit at 20 to 1. So a couple picks for the people. But that's all I had spread. Anything else before we wrap uh, on NBA talk for the week? Yeah, I mean, just trying to circle back to where we started. This has been a tough week for everyone who does the NBA. Um, you know, it's been tough for the players. It's been definitely been tough for the fans. I think, um, you know, you go back and forth between who it's hit harder. The players had personal relationships with them. Um, so many of them idolized uh, Kobe Bryant. So I really think this has been, in the last five years, the toughest week of NBA to handicap a as a gambler. And it could be just because of our own emotions, you know, jumping in. We might not be at our best either and not even realize it. So, um, you know, it's been a tough week, but we're going to, you know, get through it and get through it together. And I'm thinking by next week we're going to have a lot more actionable information and a much better handle on, on these teams and kind of a, a return to normalcy. But I uh, just want to thank you for, uh, you know, we were able to do some podcasts where we talked about it and then, uh, and then we did it today. So, uh, you know, it's been real nice to talk to you about all this stuff as it's been going on and, um, you know, hope you feel the same way. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to getting back at this next week. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, anytime someone, dies before their time it's really jarring news whether that be somebody famous or somebody close to you um one of the most impactful moments in my entire life my best friend at the time um committed suicide when he was i think he was 20 at the time um, oh no and it just I mean, it's, it threw me it's probably like it's probably a good six months i was kind of not really right at that point um, yeah, and it did. It, it shockwaves throughout my family, throughout his family. I mean, his mom and my mom used to literally walk around talking to each other on the phone for 10 hours a day. And um, they didn't talk for like three years. So um, the reactions to this kind of stuff, especially when it's unexpected, and it's a surprise. And, you know, not only Kobe Bryant dying, but, you know, his daughter, all the other people that were on board as well. I mean, it's a lot of people well before their time. And just, you know, try to be respectful as you can about that. Give people as much space as they need to kind of grieve. Um but it's a tough week. Keep that in mind for everybody. Um, you know, cut them a little slack. Make sure you look at your loved ones a, a little more, and you know, give them a little tighter hug and a few more kisses this week. Because you know, at any point, we're all the only thing that we all share in common. Spread is we're all going to die. We all have yeah. different lives. We all have different beginnings, different middles, but the ending is all the same. So um, you know, be aware of that and be happy. You know, you're still here. You're doing well. You get a chance to listen to the two of us talk about basketball. We get to hang out and talk with each other. We had a bunch of fun this last week doing the periscopes with a lot of really smart, interesting people. Um, you know, be happy, be excited, and uh, make sure you show everybody the love this week. Yeah. So I think those are a better uh, a better way to sign off today. So absolutely. Uh, have a great we'll week, everybody. Yep.